this is Whitney. And this is Hysterical Hysterical Women. Women. The podcast that no one asks for about our thoughts about gender in our society. Each week we're going to dissect events macro and micro to determine if we think this week was a win or a loss for feminism. feminism. (laughs) Hello. Hi. How are you? Living the vida loca. Inside in. Is this inside, inside out? Living la vida loca or... She will wear you out. That's all I know. But I also know that my this girl in my kindergarten class named Brianna, they moved in fourth grade and she told me it was because her mom was marrying Ricky Martin. And I believed her, held to that like through middle school. I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure her mom. And also her mom was like one of the teachers at the school. So like it made, and yeah, there are a lot of reasons it made no sense. That's an amazing lie. That is an amazing lie. In kindergarten, I, me and this girl, Sierra, I think, knew the lyrics to um that song where it's like, do a little dance, make a little love, get down tonight. And we would sing that. And then a teacher was like, that's really inappropriate. Did you feel shame when she said that? Because I, of course, of course. And then it started the long path of me feeling immense shame for anything that I do. And, but now I don't feel that anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Quarantine's just like kicked that habit to the curb. Now I have no more shame. (laughs) Did you ever watch Big Mouth? No, I don't know what that is. Oh. Um, it's a Netflix show developed by Nick Kroll and John Mulaney. Do you know who those people are? Yeah, but it doesn't sound like my cup of tea. Oh, it's definitely, it's, it is not, but there's this, um, this character called the shame wizard and he's this like scary kind of Voldemort-ish guy who comes around and like makes everyone feel shame and it's so stressful. That sounds, yeah, like really not up my alley. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, 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 that's a not recommend for my friend Whitney. That's good. Are you watching anything else that you would recommend this this week? I watched about fifteen minutes while I was like trying to do a push up of Normal People, which is based in the book by Sally Rooney, and I don't, I can't quite tell yet if I care about it. Wait, is it a series? Yeah, they made like a limited series of the uh, book based on the book. When I, I'm surprised I didn't know about it. What, what came out literally today on Hulu? I want, I really want to like it, but I'm not sure it's trans. Like, like I just really loved the book. I'm kind of more of a book girl. Maybe. Kind of a book girl. Okay. Speaking of book adaptations, uh, last night, my mom and I watched Where'd You Go Bernadette? And that was one that I actually didn't really like the book. Um, but well, I, I kind of liked, I don't know. I wasn't like the biggest fan, but I love Kate Blanchett and the trailer looked kind of crazy, but John and I saw it in theaters and then I rewatched last night. It's so good. Really? Like, I don't know if part of it's because my expectation was kind of low because I didn't love the book, but her performance is very good. And I think it's like, it tells like a really important story about like, like creating art and growing older and like human suffering and like how artists need art and overcoming anxiety i don't know it's actually like very i like i really like it because my like under like my takeaway from the trailer was that she was like i'm a little crazy i'm gonna go architecture submarine by family and then she just did a lot of like kind of like elbow based dances and and they were like Kate blanchett and i was like what's happening Okay, I'm not going to lie. Your interpretation is not that far off. It's kind of a crazy character, but 
she has some really good moments and she does a lot of it. She's a recluse. And so a lot of it she does to her virtual assistant hmm. over email, but she's doing like text to type, if that makes sense. So it's actually like a lot of monologuing, but I, but like watching it as an actor is like, like she's not talking to anyone and yet you're still like moved by the thing she's saying. And she has this, there's also this one scene, oh, I forget the actor's name who she's in a scene with, but it's just this monologue and it's just him having reaction shots for a long time. Anyway, I think as an actor, it, it's like very interesting to watch even if you can't get into the story like I think she does a great job and that's my thoughts and that's Whitney's corner on what movie I think is good for actors exactly exactly um do you have a question you wish that someone would have asked you this week yeah I want someone to ask me but I'll ask you um what have you become obsessed with in quarantine huh um incredible deep heart hitting question those are yeah well The first thing that comes to my mind is that I've become obsessed with fanny packs. So there's that. I've been... Have you ever been a fanny pack girl? No. Like probably when I was a kid, I had one, but I don't really remember. It wasn't like really an integral part of my identity. But since I've been here and I go on walks every morning, I don't know why I never had one in New York, honestly. I think I started walking every day more when it was fall last year so I always had pockets or in like my coat for my phone I don't know but anyway I was like oh actually a fanny pack would make it so I don't have to hold my phone while I walk then I ordered two and I've just been wearing them all the time I'm where I am when I roller skate yeah so I think I'm just like actually wearing one right now I'm literally wearing one this very second you just can't see it when I think about fanny packs I think about um kind of like well I Every time that I'm like, this would be, a, I feel like running would be the perfect time for a fanny pack. But then I just think of it like hitting against yeah. kind of my, my bladder. Yeah, that's hard with running. I'm not a runner. I will never be. John tried to get me to go running. And I literally was like, stop trying to get me excited about running. I don't like it. I will never like it. For me, my relationship also, it is not a good idea to try it. I'm kind of the John to my John in your relationship. and. It never goes well. And he's like, he'll go. And then that will just create um, different problems and hostilities. So I think that you should, I think that like for your marriage, like it's good that you're like, hey, like that's a boundary that I don't think you act, you don't know, but you don't actually want to cross that. Exactly. Exactly. And those are important conversations to have good information about ourselves to know is like, sometimes we're not going to run. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Ever. (laughs) What's your answer? Okay. <laughs> okay. So some things I've become obsessed with is creating kind of like using um, a tortilla kind of as a vessel for so much food. I've been kind of like questioning like like when a taco becomes a wrap and like mm. where is that on like the lunch sandwich continuum? Like still yeah. want anyone to come on our podcast and talk to us about sandwiches. Literally, if you're out there, please DM us. We're not gonna pay you to come on, but we will ask nicely. And then just like kind of putting like everything in the fridge in it and then like making John sit across from me while I like try to force it into my body. So yummy. That's beautiful. It's also similar to the question, like at what point does a muffin just become a cupcake? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that I where your mind is um, I don't think that my wrap has become a cupcake. But you said it like become like a burrito, right? Yeah, no, I no, I understand where this analogy is coming from. And yeah. I appreciate it. 
so I'm just saying like this is like my like oh, we talked about like this is like like yes. to me a sweet is just like a snack candy yes, is yes, a snack yes. and this our is, different our, our different yeah. burdens and lifestyles but in good way and the other thing that I've kind of become obsessed with is um taking showers like right when John's about to get on a full zoom business call and then like the bathroom is like right behind where he's having his meeting and then him having to like turn the zoom away and then but on me always like wondering if he's going to do it fast enough because like also that'd be kind of funny for me <laughs> to think of them all just like seeing like a little like ghost shower girl coming in the back um yeah I'm so bored <laughs> yeah I love that I feel like all of the rules for like telecommuting are just kind of out the window at this point like it's just like everyone do your best like I've been on calls like with in like the coaching community and normally they're like okay you can't like be in your car on your phone during the call like if you if you're part of the conversation you need to be like at a desk like no kids around like good sound whatever and at this point everyone's like just do your best like try and come (laughs) so thank you for sharing that with me that's beautiful what's your question well my question is what decade do you feel like I've been on TikTok as we've been talking about famously about and like they do like everyone like someone will do their hair like from the 50s or like the 60s or whatever and I'm like what decade do you feel like is like your style icon and I don't actually I can go first but I don't know that I actually really have a great answer because I realized while I was watching these that I actually just like to dress like I'm from a different decade a lot of the time more than like like there will be people whose whole like style vibe is like this is only 70s like they they have like all the 70s stuff or like I you know have a friend who like always has this kind of like 40s vibe going and I'm like I kind of like to have bits and pieces of all of that which I'm like it does that actually just indicate that I'm an actor (laughs) yeah and you're just like trying to dress up yeah yeah but I was like I don't know like Nora, do you have a a decade? Or like if you had to pick one, what would it be? Okay, you know what it would definitely wouldn't be? Right. Early two thousands low rise pants. Oh yeah. That era can burn in literal <laughs> hell for me. That was like yeah. that era was so rude to people. Yeah. Well, <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Um, I gotta say, well, I don't know. I love a bell bottom. I love kind of like, I don't know. I feel like my hair is like the Ramones in the 60s. Unclear of the time. But I'm also like 1880s. Like maybe that's my vibe. <laughs> you know, it's like we, we kind of talk about like cult, like fashion kind of to the 20s because I feel like we're like flappers. Um, but like what if we delve deeper? What if we go back to 1860s? That's a good point. We we should spend more time looking to their fashion. Yeah. I mean, I think it just goes back to like my like farm girl heart <laughs> and like, <laughs> and kind of being like, put on those galoshes and four skirts so that you don't catch a chill. Like, but also like totally bell bottoms and like belly shirts, like totally. I feel like you could have that like 60s, 70s vibe with like, like, the like a turtleneck and some bell bottoms and like 
Yeah, I see I, that for you. I feel like I have like the like academic sense yeah. where she's like, I just am trying to read for once. And then she puts on her little glasses and the guy's mm-hmm. like, yeah, but are you? And she's like, actually I am. And then she like gets in her little car and like drives away. Yeah, that, I love that. That's my, actually my Sundance lab pitch. <laughs> what did, um, did you read? I mean, did you watch, what was that show? Good Girls Revolt? Yeah, I mean, I like that era. I didn't love that show, but I like that era. I Why watched didn't you like the show? show? Oh, I just felt like the main character, I didn't love the main character. I like the side character, but also sometimes I've learned that the main character isn't the best part. Yeah, it's usually not. <laughs> like HP, Harry Potter, you wouldn't know, but sometimes he's not that good. I believe you though. If that counts. <laughs> yeah, I felt like with Good Girls Revolt, I really want... So if anyone hasn't watched this, it's set in, what, probably 68-ish? I don't know. And it's about, like, kind of women's rights and this woman who's a journalist in a man's world. And it was on Amazon. And it, I felt like it was, like, beautiful and I liked all the parts of it. But, um, yeah, it was almost like the parts didn't quite, like, add up to, like, the I don't know I never I actually didn't finish it but I think I also didn't finish it because I didn't want it to end and it got canceled um okay do you have a a thing you want to talk about this week do I yeah I do I'm actually gonna well I it's a lot about sports are you ready sports 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 yeah okay my macro macro is about the tennis community, which really I should not be talking about because I cannot for the life of me play tennis. I feel like I'm like sporty enough, but like, <laughs> honey, my hand-eye coordination is tragic, really. Um, and then I have none. And all I can remember is when like I was in, did like a summer program in my youth and like I would just lose to the worst, the other worst girl, like to be the worst <laughs> in your ten in your like summer long tennis program is really hard. It's so long. It's so many matches and just like, just being like zero. I also don't know how to count the points, but it's just always <laughs> being like at zero and them being like zero love. But we're still going to talk about it because Roger Federer has kind of brought to the attention of the tennis world that he thinks that the WTA, which is the Women's Tennis Association, and the ATP, the Association of Tennis Professionals, ATP is like the the men's thing and then the women's one, obviously, because you know how it's like, I hate when it's like, it's the WNBA and well, is the NBA Male Basketball Association? No, it's NBA, like National Basketball. <laughs> oh, okay, so exactly, exactly to my point. Like, why, why are they the National Basketballs, and then it's Women's Basketball? Like, why? Yeah, they're both in our nation playing basketball. Like, they are both professional tennis people. Yes. I've been saying this for literal years. Years, years, years. So Roger Federer is also saying it. And he like tweeted about it. And now everybody's like, hey, maybe we should do it. Even though Billie Jean King, who famously is in the battle of that the battle of the sexes tennis match where she bought beat Bobby Riggs in this like massive like 
can women beat men? They did one time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she and she was like, we should all be one united tennis tour. It's so crazy I'm talking about tennis because I don't understand it at all. But here we are pushing ourselves in quarantine anyway. So now it's like they're talking about it because everything's been canceled because of pandemics and a lot of them didn't have like the insurance and they're losing a lot of money. So it's like, why don't we be more cost effective and all like join together in one tour? And they're also like, it would really unify like the tennis fans, whoever they are. And so it's interesting just that this small silver lining that like, because of this like world pause, people are looking, people, Roger Federer and some tennis bros are look their like institutional structure and they're like, oh, we have the time and space to change this. Here's a quote from somebody that I don't know their name. This global crisis gives us time to think and plan, probably an opportunity that won't come along again. So I'm interested to hear more about these conversations and kind of like this is an opportunity for all institutions to kind of look at what they're doing in this momentary pause. And so, I don't know, I mean, obviously there are some men who don't want it because the men's tours have better prize money and in order for a a union of the men and women's team situation, it would have to be like 50-50 and like, but I was like, this is a tiny silver lining, like maybe a win, like, I don't know, we're gonna have to see how it goes. But I think it's cool that institutions like this are talking about it. And there's a cool quote by Billie Jean King. It's like, I'm 76. And I'm hoping before I die that the men and women are together. It's the right thing for our sport. I was like, I I feel nothing for tennis. But that's it. (laughs) Well, I feel I've actually never played tennis one single time although my husband and I have been playing this like fake tennis game in our backyard but our dog keeps taking it and also I keep hitting it onto the roof and it keeps getting caught in my mom's gutter and then John has to climb on the roof to get it you're too strong you're too good too good yeah but anyway I also saw Battle of the Sexes and I loved it and I thought Emma Stone was very good in it yeah that's all I have to say about tennis um mine this week is kind of a I I think both of mine kind of blur the line between macro and micro. Um, And this isn't really a news, but I got a special time edition magazine on the science of gender and it's called differences, similarities and how we live. So the first third is biology. Second third is like cultural, like conditioning on gender. And then the third is about sex. Um, And so I, I just want to say this might be like kind of confusing for our listeners because like, I've kind of been billed as like the science one, but like now you are like really stepping it up and kind of like, like busting my balls by being a scientific genius. Well, mostly I was just like, when I read this, maybe I'll be able to have a conversation with Nora about something a little bit more intelligent than uh, me asking her about bell bottoms. Um, (laughs) it's, It's kind of hefty. Um, and I haven't like it's like a hundred pages and it, they're like full articles. It's not like a quick read, but um, I did just turn. I read a couple at the beginning and then I turned to this place on like the cultural conditioning and how um, that affects gender. So basically, if uh, and please feel free to jump in at any time because you probably understand all of this more than I do. But it was like cool. there is like 
you know, they're like, especially the part about um, biology, like they're like, there obviously are biological difference specifically in like reproductive organs. But um, one of the quotes that I found in both the beginning and this middle part was currently research has not found any consistent differences, which can reliably distinguish the brain of a woman from the brain of a man, the variability of or differences within each group. So within either all men or all women's brains are much greater than the differences between the two. So like there's more variability in brains of like what we consider women than men. And also one thing that I thought was interesting in the biology section was that they're like really the only difference in what we consider genders, these like binary genders are reproductive organs, right? But the number one most important reproductive organ is your brain. Like that's the most important sexual organ because it like creates all the hormones and chemicals and like tells the body parts what to do, whatever. So, so it's like, and actually there's not that much of a difference in the, like there is no difference in the brains between the genders. So actually there's like way more similarity um, between the genders. And we've talked about this before about how like all, all, like everything I'm saying is like a little bit more on a binary term. And the articles do say they're like, look, this isn't, Obviously, like we actually don't believe that this is binary, but for our studies and kind of the way that society's looked at it, that's the way we're, that's like the lens through which we'll be like telling this story. Um, But anyway, so they had these like three ways that I thought were really interesting that we've conditioned. So basically they're saying that the gender is, comes down to social conditioning because our brains are like actually the same. And so one of, it has these three things I thought were interesting. One is um, it talks about like this academic, this pair of academics and their their daughter, and they decided to raise her without um, really trying to put gender on her specifically. But by the time she turned four, she like was obsessed with Frozen, and they feel like she picked that up from like her preschool friends. And but they and just like even though their efforts were to not necessarily be like, oh, she's a girl, she's a princess, she loves pink. It just, by the time she was four, she had like already kind of picked up on those things from the world around her. Um, But then the second one that I thought was interesting is they say, um, so one of the things they say is that like, historically, men are more like problem solving and women are more like creative and feelings. Um, But I was saying, but actually, when we think about, um, when we look at it, we have more research showing that girls are more attuned to other people's emotions, not because of any hardware difference, but because adults are more likely to say to the girls, well, think about how the other person would feel. And we don't put that pressure on boys, but we're always like, oh, you're making her sad. You're making him sad. Like, how does this person feel? And then the third one that stood out to me was that um, we really like stereotype the way that that kids learn. And it's like, and it's interesting because there's actually this like stigma often that boys are smarter than girls, but girls actually do better in school. And um, one of the things that I thought that was interesting is, okay, so even though girls outperform their male classmates, girls report higher levels of stress and anxiety around schoolwork because they're like, feel like they're expected to perform better. Um, And perversely in certain situations, boys learn to use lower standards to their advantage, at least to work within their favor, while girls are encouraged to go the extra mile because they think that that's what is expected of them boys are fine with doing less and instead of devoting hours to the pursuit of perfection they can be much more at at ease with the idea of being strategic so they'll do things like calculating the lowest grade that they can get on their test to 
get to maintain their grade. Whereas girls are like, oh, I have to do the best because that's like what society expects. And in the working world, this can translate into having the confidence to pursue opportunities before being fully prepared for them. So like men will just be like, oh, I'm sure that I'll be equipped for that. Whereas women are always like trained from an early age to pursue perfection before taking a risk that feels like before they feel like they're like ready which and I thought that was super interesting that like we do have this expectation that like women are supposed to be perfect and men are just inherently good enough and that so the difference isn't because like if then women are just as good or better at school the difference is really just that they're more stressed all the time (laughs) and um one of the things I thought this is another quote is like um, there's this, this girl that just like started studying really hard. And she said, I got into the habit of being really thorough about everything. It was a workhorse approach that served her well after graduation. As a woman on an engineering team, she said, the moment you make a mistake, you're discredited. The diligence she practiced in school may have made her better at her job, but it was a defensive diligence while men are free to pursue excellence more joyfully and less anxiously. And so I thought that was interesting because I feel like I've seen that a lot specifically in my marriage where it's like I feel like John and I both are successful but he feels like it's like fun and joyful and I'm like stressed about it all the time and it was interesting like reading this and being like oh is that because of the way I've been conditioned to achieve excellence because it like feels like this pressure thing where I have to like live up to this expectation whereas for him it's just like he's inherently going to be successful so he doesn't like stress about it as much yeah I mean that like really gave me flashbacks of like me I mean probably because I'm also like in the house where I did all the homework that like was school but yeah just like the kind of deep ingrained which I don't even know where it comes from anxiety that if I didn't like perform the best like I everyone was like well what's the worst that can happen and I was like I don't know but like I have to do it like and it, it, I mean, it wasn't even my parents they were like chill right. out for the love of god and I was just like I can't like and it, it's internal and then I think like at a point you're like I'm proving this to myself but it's because it's in your head I would be really interested to see like I know that brains were saying that they're mostly similar but I'm wondering if it's like in an MRI study, or this is super hypothetical, but like if the quote unquote women's group of brains would like light up in different patterns when they're thinking about like work versus men, you know, because I just feel like because of these social conditionings, we kind of think about things different. I, I don't know. I don't know how the social conditioning manifests in thought patterns or if it's just manifests in like our bodily responses and when it's like we take a test we get like doused in like adrenaline and like cortisone and like all those stress things while men are like I have to get an 86 it's gonna be sick you know yeah yeah no for sure and I think I don't know also just like to your point I actually agree like I don't feel like that was something my parents really like pressured me to like feel like I needed to be perfect I actually feel like that came for me the most when I left my house and like was in college and was like so stressed about getting a perfect grade for who knows what reason I had no plan on going to grad school I was a theater major like it was helpful that I like had a good enough grade to have scholarship but I I don't know it's just interesting because like my husband and I were in a like science a physical science class together and I worked so hard in that stupid class and he put in like 0.5 percent effort 
and got like he got like a B plus and I got like an A minus. And the difference between that was like so frustrating. And I just I think though, even like like I feel like I've been working so hard for the last two weeks on like my business stuff and then like with you know our crowdfunding and like our writing and all this stuff. And John's like also working on a bunch of projects right now, but then will like take like long breaks to like have fun playing the guitar. And I'm like, that just wouldn't even cross my mind to do right now. I don't know. It's just like interesting to see like all of these ways that it pops up. And I think I've just always been like, oh, I'm like a more stressed person than he is. But like, I think it's more than that. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, like, I'm just like, it's just like me. I, I will always be more stressed and like, but it's like, no, you have to like, like you've been conditioned and you have to rewire your brain. Yeah. And I feel like that stress has gotten me like that drive within me that the stress all the time has like served me to a point, but then I'm also like, but this isn't really sustainable and I want things to be like easier and more fun and like not as stressed <laughs> because I feel like it's like, you could also be like, Oh, if I, if I'm not stressed then I won't be successful. But then if I feel like you could just look at John, John and be like, Oh, actually that's not true for him at least. Yeah, I think the like, if I'm not stressed, I'm not doing it right is like totally something that I have like internalized that I am work like constantly working on. It's it's like if it doesn't hurt, like it's not, which is like toxic, yeah. clearly. And I know that like intellectually, but I'm like, if I'm not like, if it's not like 4am and I'm not like trying to like turn a paper out or whatever, like it's not going to be good, which is just not right. But I, I really resonated with this idea that like the quote unquote, like group men find more joy in it. And it's like hard and very easy to just like kind of glibly say, but I think that if we can me myself and anyone who feels stress around the things that they're quote unquote passionate about, like if even to a small degree, try to like find small joys, that that is really important. Cause I think even though our brains are pretty solid, that's as a neuroscience is saying um, that like we, we can retrain them to totally. like, to manipulate that. I think yeah. also it's like little kids, like we have to be very aware how we treat little kids because their brains also neuroscience is basically floopy ploop. Um, and so uh, they're absorbing those little freaky sponges are just absorbing everything. And that's what wires them. Like people being like, now, how do you think they feel? Like then the girl is like, okay, like I need to think about them before me. And then like, I'm the last person to think to be thought about. And like, okay. And then I, Okay, this is, I have two tangents that I want to say based off of that. One, though, is like, I actually don't think that's a bad quality. You know what I mean? But it's like, then we should, it's like, I think that these qualities that we've just said are less viable or essential or whatever. And like, like women in, you know, the, like, and part of this was that the article was talking about like how like women are more often nurses or teachers. And it's like, why aren't we valuing those skills and trying to give like encourage boys to think about other feelings like that, I think is a huge issue. Um, But then I also thought it was interesting that this article talked about how one way that men kind of stay in power, power is like whatever, quote unquote, 
is not having to take responsibility for the fact that they have benefited from a society that benefits them. So like it was saying, like, you'll hear so many panels about women talking about how they've had to overcome like gender inequality, but you never talk here, ask men to look at how they've benefited from it. And a lot of men will even ask women to talk about it, to be like, look how far she's overcome. And, and that like is a power imbalance because it's just like diverting attention and like letting women kind of like stay in this cycle. I don't know. I, I think it's interesting. Like, I feel like I've heard a lot of women who are like, please stop asking me how hard it is to be a female filmmaker. Like just ask me about my movies. And I get that to an extent, like, I definitely understand that, but I also have been like, but why not? It's nice for me to hear because that's something that like, I feel like I'm going to be up against whatever. But I just feel like that even like having that conversation is part of the problem sometimes, you know? It's like those panels are when it's like female filmmaker, as an example, is really important for like you and I to hear because we're like, oh, that's a roadmap. That's an example of a roadmap of how to do that in an industry that it felt very much like a boys club for a very long time. But I think in like the minds of the female filmmakers themselves, um, or like the women filmmakers, as well as like Hollywood looking at it, it like continues to perpetuate the narrative that like women filmmakers will always be the underdog and you're like risking something by paying them. I think we should start having panels of men being like, so how much was handed to you? (laughs) Let that switch. And yeah. Anyway, that was, that That was was what I wanted to talk about. You're going to get too smart with that book magazine <laughs> i'm gonna lap you on your neuroscience degree you are um okay more micro more i have a, I have a, I have a tiny little thing also about sports <laughs> so, so two nights ago my family watched she's the man the 2006 two-star, 43% Rotten Tomatoes classic with Amanda Bynes. It's based on Twelfth Night. So it's, and it's, it's like just a, a gender swapping, but t- that like farcical tale that is the Billy Shakespeare version um, brought to 2006 soccer team. Um, and I gotta say, this movie was very uh, informative for me as, like, I think, a, like, a, a little girl who wanted to do comedy because the things that Amanda Bynes, you know, I know that a couple, who know how many episodes, I, like, talked, I maybe said a few things about Amanda Bynes that I actually can't take away because now it's public record, but um, <laughs> her, in, her, her work, really, her work in She's the Man, it's truly phenomenal. Like she is acting the hell out of every single line and her like physical comedy and bizarre accent work is, is a masterclass in something. <laughs> I wouldn't say acting, but I would say clown maybe. Um, well, also an example of a lead role that doesn't suck. A lead role that doesn't suck, and um, so so I, I'm what am, what am I trying to say with this movie? I don't really know. Like, obviously, 
like it was rewatching it. It's like surprisingly progressive in the way that they're like women can play soccer and like the Illyria team is like we don't care that she's a girl like let's play although John the day after was like here's the thing she was never enrolled in that school (laughs) I know (laughs) he's like no no that game should have been illegal because she was not enrolled in that school and I was like okay okay (laughs) gotta let that one go honey but um in in the 2006 fashion, it is like very homophobic and also has like very questionable ethics about like gen. It's like so binary and like gender identity and like I do not feel like they do a good job of like you know dealing with any of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, which then always takes me back to the question like should we be watching these things? That's a tale as old as time question. But um, that was one thing. And then also, <laughs> that was one incredible thought-provoking <laughs> point. And then also, I looked at like the this writers of the screenplay, and two it was like two women and one man. And the two women also wrote ten things I hate about you and Legally Blonde. And I was like, to have such a strong first off to write two plays based on Shakespeare in the modern era, incredible. And then to have such a grasp on the kind of random tone that is early 2000s, like, mm-hmm. rom-com. Well, I feel like those are movies that, like, made that tone. Totally. Kind of the tastemakers of that era. Yeah. Of um, that low, low pants era. Of those, pants. <laughs> of kind of my nemesis era. Um, and then in one of their Wikipedia, this is the, this is the, I did a deep dive. And by that, I mean, in the Wikipedia's tiny IMDB section that they give us, uh, one of the women was quoted, most of the scripts seem to follow the girl power movement of the late 1990s and early 2000s. And I was like, girl power was totally what that era, you know, how there's like so many, like, Mm -hmm. like times, like feminist waves and I was like the early 2000s like that's it it was like girl power Mm -hmm. we're not really diving too deep we're still calling them girls like nothing's that hard hitting but we are going to be like united that like reminds me of like limited to jelly pens were like a shirt like I feel like I had a shirt that said girl power from limited to and then like had like little flowers on it and it's like, didn't really know what that meant at the time, but like, I knew I liked it. They like branded it so well that you didn't have to think about it that hard, but also it was not progressive for girls at all. <laughs> it, like, it like was, but it like, not really. It like kind of inceptioned a lot of us though, maybe. Yeah. And encouraged us to fight together instead of against each other. I was also like, is that what they're going to write in our IMDb Wikipedia chunk? They were like, wrote many scripts that were like kind of about feminism, but also not. (laughs) Did they help? (laughs) Question mark. (laughs) I love that. And I also, I mean, and shout out to that Billy Shakespeare, because also those plays are pretty progressive. Also, who is William Shakespeare? Was it? Wilhelmina Shakespeare was it four different writers was it really a guy named William we will never know okay what's actually your theory about that though 
Um, <laughs> I don't really have a theory because when I start to think about olden times, it like makes me so stressed because I'm just like, there's Wait, so I'm sorry. Didn't you say this was your favorite? I mean, not that, but olden times were, was your favorite era? No, that's way, <laughs> that's medieval. Medieval's crazy. It is crazy. Medieval's I know a little bit because I skipped history, but I did have to read a little bit about it. Medieval is like, like waiting like six years for a new play and then like so much mud in everything and like never brushing your teeth. You said it's savage. It's savage and corsets and like, like it's, it, you guys, it's crazy. <laughs> anyway, I digress <laughs> this whole episode, but um, I, I would like it to be a woman. I'd like it to be like three sisters. I'd like it to be mm. like BFFs. Maybe it's William and his friend, Jillian and they're just <laughs> writing <laughs> some kooky plays. I don't really know. It seems like a lot of work for one one bro. Yeah. Okay. What's like your do you have a theory? Well, to be honest, I think I just think it's one person that was a man. <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah. But, I mean, now that I think about it, I'm like, that, does that make sense? No, not really. But also to think about, like, we don't even know what was up back then. You really don't. Maybe it makes sense. Yeah, probably not, but maybe. Or maybe. I have a micro. So this is one. It's not my micro, but it is a microaggression. So there's this woman, and she, I, I get the gist of it. So it's one of those things where the news, like, report went viral on Twitter. So I don't but just like her segment, part of her segment. So I actually don't, I didn't do enough research to know the full story, but it's pretty clear that what happened was this woman owns a daycare facility and someone came in and tried to aggressively use the bathroom and she got a weird vibe and she said he couldn't come in. I don't know exactly what happened, but it turns out he was a criminal and he was on the run from the police. They were doing a sting operation in this daycare's neighborhood he ran into the daycare, tried his bathroom. I don't actually know exactly what happened, but I but there's everyone was ended up being okay, and the police ended up seizing him. So they did this guy, this terrible, terrible man, is doing a segment on it and is asking her what happened. So the facts are, someone bad came into her her place of work and she handled it, and no one was hurt. Well, this reporter keeps trying to spin the article that it was her fault and that she shouldn't have let him into their, the daycare because he was a criminal. And um, this literally goes on. I'll put a link in the show notes. It's, and I did find like this follow-up. It goes on for like three minutes of him being like, but you shouldn't have let him in. Like, don't you think it would have better, been better if you didn't let her, him in? And she keeps being like, okay, well, we, we own a business. And customers come into our business. That's how we get business. Sometimes our customers are people that we don't know because it's like a parent's grandfather picking them up for school that day. And we haven't seen him before. And he keeps being like, yeah, but don't you think you should have done it differently? Like, don't you think you shouldn't have let him in? Like you shouldn't have let, don't you think you shouldn't have let a criminal? And she just, she holds her ground 
so strongly and so firmly for like five minutes. Um, and she's just that she keeps saying, again, I would like to repeat that our employees follow the protocol when someone dangerous comes in and not one single child or one single employee was hurt. And he's like, yeah, but wouldn't it have been better if you wouldn't have let her in? Again, I would like to emphasize that we actually followed the protocol and that no one was hurt. Well, don't you think it, your business would be run better if you hadn't let him in? And she just keeps saying, again, I would like to repeat that we were following our business procedures and we always let customers come into our store because that's how we get business. Anyway, it was just this man just trying to spin the story so hard, which is insane to me that he would, because it also could have been a story about this like incredible woman who like saved all of these children or whatever, but that turns out the news loves fear-mongering and just was like trying to spin it. But it just like watching her, like the, the clip was so infuriating to watch, except for two things. One being just how firmly she stood in her, her belief of that what they did was correct and like her really owning the facts of what happened. But the second thing was that the reporter got fired after it. Yes. Yeah. Hold your ground and get rid of the trash. Yeah. And it was honestly, it was incredible. She's and like, even just listening to her, I was like, I would send my kid there. And he'd be like, but don't you think that the parents would feel better if you would have just used the intercom and not let him in? And she just keeps being like, well, I actually have already contacted the parents. And we all agreed that what happened was best because like a good business, we followed emergency procedure. Like she repeats it so many times. It's so infuriating. But I love that he got fired. And I I think fired. I think that the fact that he got fired and the fact that she stood her ground so strong and also is just like a fierce business owner was a win. I love that. That's a win. That's a win. She's the man is uh, a, a reflection of previous times and a small laugh. So I would say in a nothing, but I think tennis is a win. And I think that article about us talking about brains the fact that I talked about the gender of brains is a win. Yeah, I'm going to say win for the week because I need that and it's true. I love that. Congrats to the world. Congrats <laughs> to the world for this. They're all like, thank you. <laughs> Do you have an artist you want to highlight this week? Um, my, my good friend, Lil Holly, sent me, reminded me of this song by Ida Maria called Oh My God. Um, if you really are feeling a little kooky man crazy during quarantine this is such a good song it's from a while ago but the music video is also incredible and it's just like pent up energy a good release and we all need that we all need to like do a little dancing it out absolutely um yeah we'll put that in the show notes as well I love that. Um, I want to kind of circling this back to brains. I want to highlight two people who are professionals in that space. One is this woman. Um, her Instagram is at Hey Emily Cooper, and I met her in New York. She she one of her talents is she's a photographer, and that's how I met her. But she since has moved to Seattle and is a psychotherapist. Um, she focuses on eating disorders and social work. And in, like intuitive eating and health at every size. And she just popped up on my um, Instagram today because she's kind of rebranded, but she just has like all these really cool. So her, I just feel like her aesthetic is really good on her Instagram, but she'll like get these photos of street signs in Manhattan and then edit them with like body positive quotes. 
if that makes sense. And just like ways to, um, to think about your body and your weight during quarantine or whatever. Like I'm showing Nora this one, but it's like this sign next to the subway, but it says your weight is not your worth. Your weight is not your worth. And I just love that. And I love that she's like using her talents as a therapist, but also as like an artist to like make something that I feel like is really like easily digestible. And it, I just feel like it's nice when you're just like scrolling through Instagram and you're seeing all these like beautiful things that also kind of like can encourage you to feel like you're like a lack of aesthetic is a bad thing, but she's like using this aesthetic to like add like good thoughts for you to be having about yourself and your body. And then the other is one of our dear friends, uh, Lale, um, at Lal told me to, she just certified as a life coach. And so she want to welcome her to the life coach community, but she also kind of has like a focus on like eating and clean eating and like, like a health minded, um, life coaching. And I think she's a great, like, I would totally hire her as a life coach. So check her out. She always has good recommendations and we'll link both of them in the show notes also. Two, two. Yeah. I think those are such good things to keep in mind because it's very easy to kind of spiral in these times. And it's like, you, you gotta do what's right for you. I know. I also, I don't know if this is, I don't know. I feel like I've had a couple of conversations with people lately, either DMing me or on the phone or texting that are like, yeah, like you're, you're staying so creative and it's hard. I don't know. I just feel like I would like to publicly say that like, if you're not feeling creative right now, like that's okay. And you don't have to. And uh, like part of the reason I feel I'll speak for myself, but part of the reason I feel like I feel creative right now, one is because I acknowledge my emotions and like let myself grieve. But then also like, I still have work deadlines that I feel like have made it easier to stay creative. And a lot of people don't have that right now. And I just feel like if you're feeling like you need to be more creative or be putting things out in the world right now and you don't have it in you that's okay (laughs) and I just like wouldn't want someone to weaponize what we're doing against themselves it's so okay and I think this week especially like I'm really really feeling this our new existence and it's like really I don't know I I kind of took for granted that like I feeling creative is an outlet and that it also like was something that I could have a, that like my wealth of excitement about creating things could be depleted. And I feel like this week it has. And I'm instead of like beating myself up about it, I'm trying to be like, and that's okay. And like take a knee and it's okay to like chill. It's hard, but it's good. Totally. Yeah. I think like giving yourself that space is not only helpful, but necessary. <laughs> and um, it's, it's what like, it's what, we need right now and it's what um we deserve because we're doing our best absolutely and i think like especially have like if you're in a place where you have a creative person you want to make something like i think it's like that's great to like run with that and then if you don't for a while then that's okay too and we can just kind of like volley from one another because we're not all going to be feeling creative all the time during during this cuckoo bananas time in our in our existence and volley is another sports metaphor. And right. we have been nothing but sporty this whole episode. And I think that is amazing. And I think that is a win for feminism. I think that's a win for feminism. All right. <laughs> All right. TTYL. TTYL. Goodbye. Goodbye.
Thanks for listening. If you listened. If you like the pod, hit subscribe and leave us a review. Also, if you have a Mac or event that you'd like us to cover, slide into our DMs on Instagram at Hysterical Women.